welcome to the 10th episode of the Habibi Collective podcast. I can't believe it's already the 10th episode that went by so quick. It's an educational resource and insider guide to the film industry. We are 100% independent and volunteer led. So if you enjoyed listening to your to our free podcast series, please consider donating to our Patreon link on our website. I'm Bella Barquette and I'm so excited and honored to introduce Roman Sedani. Roman is a London-based Iraqi artist and a graduate of the Slade School School of Fine Arts, I can't speak this morning. Although Roman is a multi-talented and multidisciplinary artist, her focus is on film and as we will be discussing today, moving image. Her work is often centered around and driven by the manifestation in space and performance of the very human reality of searching for an exit. Some recent screenings and group exhibitions include her film Walkout One on our very own Shasha's first month back in April, Jerwood Arts and the Independent Iraqi Film Festival, Whole Nine Yards, to name a few. So thank you for joining me. Hello, I'm excited to be with you. Okay, so I guess we can, where we can start is, you know, we should just deconstruct what moving image actually is, what it means, what it includes how it can commonly be used, because I think that many people don't really know what it might mean. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm not like a scholar, so I'll try and explain it how I see it. Um, I mean, at the moment, like moving image, I guess, is used in the art scene to describe videos, uh, experimental film. And I guess for anyone who's been to like galleries and museums, you often see video installations or dark rooms where films are displayed. So that's sometimes referred to as moving image. Um, yeah, and I'm not like particularly sure where it comes from in the art scene, like who is the first person to use the term, but how I see it, I, I mean, it's, it's, I feel like it, you know, artists are always searching for new mediums to express themselves and their ideas through. Uh, and I guess naturally that, you know, like I think over time we've, we've you know, we've thought about what art is and, and what's considered as art. So that means there's always like new, um, there are always new experiments entering the scene and then that gets institutionalized and becomes part of like the art system. Um, so I mean, like, I mean, videos were introduced to arts. I mean, I see it partially in relation to performances um, in the sense that, you know, a lot of performances that were happening live, uh, people were thinking about how to document it. So some of them exist through written material, photographs, and then obviously when video became accessible uh, to people, you know, that became used uh, to, to document performances. And then some performances became the videos themselves. Um, and then slowly, I guess it's naturally, you know, like when, when technology is developing and when people have access to new tools that enters the, the art rhetoric. Um, but today, to be fair, like moving image doesn't mean much to me in the sense like when I'm making work, I feel like, you know, over time I've experimented with like what this audiovisual material is uh, and tried to like deconstruct what it means to me because I'm not trained as a filmmaker. I come from an art background. Uh, so yeah, I feel like I've, I've done like experiments to understand what it means, but now I'm at the stage where I'm thinking more about storytelling. So I feel like it's sitting more in, in like the territory of film. Uh, and many artists today, and I feel like the term moving image is also quite interchangeable. So I feel like sometimes when I displayed my work in galleries or in like artist um, shows, 
you know, it gets described as moving image, but then when it enters a film festival, they refer to it as film or it, 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 um, it's shown under like the category of experimental film. So for me, like it's very interchangeable. Uh, I feel like it's almost become like a, a curatorial term or an institutional term in the art scene, but you know, I, I don't feel like people make work with the intention of like, this is a moving image. Um, and many artists today are making films that get shown in galleries, but also film festivals. And so I feel like it's interchangeable. For me, it's just a term for now. <laughs> I think that makes a lot of sense. It's almost like a buzzword that can very much be transferable amongst different kind of scenes and art galleries and you know film festivals. So kind of it becomes everything, which is very, very exciting. So yeah. kind of sense, what got you into kind of I know you said that you weren't, you know, moving images and what you know you started with, but how did you, you know, what got you into working with it? How did it all begin? What's your journey? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I mean I've always been drawn to art and like since I was 16 I started to kind of specialize in it uh, but then again like I think I was always searching for materials uh, in the sense that <clears throat> for a while you know I, I did quite you know a few paintings and sculptures but then you know, I slowly started to experiment with video, but I didn't necessarily choose it as a medium for me until 2014. Um, so I was preparing to go to art school to London. Um, and then the news emerged about ISIS entering Mosul, the city of uh, that like my parents come from. Um, and for me, that was like a very like a moment of threat, you know, like all of a sudden, even though I, I never lived in Mosul, but I felt threatened. My family was my extended family was there. Um, I think like at the time, I think I was I don't think I was I, I was very aware of like the political narrative behind ISIS. So I was, you know, quite overwhelmed by by the narratives that were emerging on the news uh, and also what the news that we were receiving from our family. And anyhow, like I think in the face of all that chaos, the only thing I could do was to hold the camera. And I and I used my mobile phone at the time to to start documenting. Uh, and I just started documenting everything around me. And at some point it hit me that oh, I want to make a film out of this, or I want to you know, display it and, and share it with others. Um, and that's when I started to like read more into uh, film, um, familiarize myself with like editing um, and those tools. And it naturally happened. So all of a sudden, you know, when I went to art school, I had like a film already with me because I had all this material I, I filmed over summer. And from then I started to, I think I started to deconstruct what this medium is because I knew like I found something really rich. You know, for me, like film offers you uh, you know, if, if you break it down, it's, it's images, uh, movement, uh, language, uh, sound, and, you know, the list can go on for, for I guess, how different people see it. Um, and I knew this is something really rich, so I started to break it down. I started to experiment with performers uh, where, you know, I would give them like a certain scenario, let's say, and let them uh, improvise or respond to it and then document that. Sometimes the documentation of these rehearsals or performances became like the work uh, that I then edited.
edit and it became like a video installation. And then slowly towards the end of my degree, I think I was questioning storytelling, like how do I tell a story through this medium? Um, and that's when like, even after I left art school, that's when like the, I guess the question of like how to write a screenplay, like all of these things became more important for me. Um, and I'm still experimenting, you know, I'm still trying to find out how do I tell a story in an accessible way, but also in a way that can allow me to experiment and, and play with, you know, different layers, whether the sound, whether it's like the sound or choreography or movement. Um, yeah. And so kind of jumping off that, how was it then working or juggling with all these different kind of components that you both learned outside you know, art school and then also whilst you were in art school as well. Like, you know, sound, you know, working with different actors. How is it, how did it all kind of piece together? Um, I mean, art school is fun in the sense that, you know, my degree, like the slate, um, so we had like theory and history of art, but then we had studio time. And, you know, because I guess art education itself like changed over time, you know. Um, so like the, the model at Slade was that you would specialize in either painting, sculpture or media. Media was this like weird <laughs> space where people were working with sound, performances, spoken word. And what I'm trying to say is that I guess I, I was in media, I was trying to experiment with film, but like I was surrounded by people who are also deconstructing other things, whether it's sound or performance. And I think that fed um, a lot into my work um, and how, it, I mean, how they came together, I think through experiments, um, you know, I'm, again, I don't have na like formal training in, in how to make a film. So I think for me, like I was always, you know, approaching it through experimentation um, and through deconstruction, I guess. Um. Yeah, that, I think that definitely, you know, that makes a lot of sense. And then I guess when you left, um, you know, art school, did you encounter, you know, any specific obstacles, for example, with funding or like experimentation, like you were saying before, like learn, literally learning all these different aspects by yourself? What did you have any you know, obstacles that you faced? Yeah, I mean, leaving art school is hard because, you know, you spend three or four years with uh, like kind of in a bubble, you know, where you're surrounded by other people who are also experimenting. Uh, you have seminars all the time. You're always speaking about artwork. And then obviously, you know, when you leave, you're kind of left on your own. There is no, uh, you know, the, the network kind of slowly breaks down because people are moving in and out of the city. Uh, reality hits you and you need to think of how to survive, how to, to make money. So I feel like th that was, I think, the main obstacle, how to, to navigate uh, the fact that I was no longer in this kind of, let's say, safe bubble. Um, and then, yeah, having to navigate like work and, and still maintain like time and space to, to still make work. Um, and I got lucky because, I mean, when I first left uh, Slade, I met a few people um, who were Iraqi filmmakers based in Europe um, and was led by someone called Warith Kweish, who's um, a great filmmaker and 
you know, I think we, we came together as almost like a collective, even though it was informal. I don't think we called it a collective at the time. Uh, and we traveled to a few independent Arab uh, film festivals to do kind of development workshops, to meet uh, people in the industry as well, to learn about how it's working. So that was an interesting point for me. Um, I think that's when I met a lot of filmmakers from the Arab uh, region um, and, and it felt like a really supportive scene, you know, like a lot of the people I met, uh, you know, people like Rasha Salti, who's a film programmer, she kind of supported us at one point when we were in uh, Morocco. Um, so a, a lot of people were there, you know, to support us and to, to give us the tools to understand how the industry works and how to push ourselves through like funding applications, etc. Um, and I was a little bit scared at the time because I, again, like I come from an art school, I felt like, oh, I don't have any formal training in, in how to make a film. And at the time people, you know, some of the people we met were talking about, you know, like formulas of like, oh, if you want to write a screenplay, you need to think like in the first 10 minutes, this needs to happen. And in, in 20 minutes, this needs to happen in like the development of like the characters or the events. So for me, that language was shocking because I'm not used to like a formula <laughs> or having like a structure for like how to make a thing. Because I guess in art, you know, you're not necessarily always serving an audience or, you know, you're not, let's say making, if, if you're making a film, you know, you don't need to, it doesn't need to sell. <laughs> it can exist as an experiment or it can exist as a question, let's say, but it doesn't necessarily need to sell as an entertaining film to the public, which I think, you know, I think sometimes that helps because it means that you have a little bit more room to experiment, to question things. You don't need to follow structures. But anyhow, so I think I, I was having like this clash between these two, two different spaces. And I think it took me a while to, to think that actually this clash is exciting and I can find a way to, to navigate, you know, the, the tools that both spaces offer. Uh, so for instance, now, you know, I think for a while I was a little bit lazy and maybe even stubborn. I didn't want to learn how to, to write a screenplay, but now I'm at a stage where I'm thinking, no, I need to learn it. And I need to learn some of the foundations um, in order then to, to play with it or to deconstruct it or to, to experiment with it. Um, and again, like, <clears throat> I think, you know, I recently I had, um, so Walkout One that was commissioned by Jerwood and FVU. So that was meant to be screened April, 2020 uh in like a public gallery but anyhow it, it couldn't happen because of the pandemic um but then i think it opened for one week and then it moved to the di digital space and just that experience i think i remember like watching people go to the screening room to watch my film and I knew like what I wanted to have a conversation with them, you know, I wanted to, to speak about the work or to speak about some of the questions that the work um, was raising. And I think for me, that just gave me the realization that, you know, and now, you know, the next stage in my work, I wanted to be a little bit more accessible. Um, I want to have conversations with people, so I need to be a little bit more intentional with what I'm, with the subject matter, with what I'm presenting, with what questions I want to to raise to people. So I think now for me, I'm at a stage where where 
I just feel like all the previous experiments have been helpful, uh, but now I'm I'm thinking how do I bring more structure to my work and again clarity and accessibility. That is really interesting because I never really, uh, you know, explicitly thought you know this past year in the pandemic a lot has I mean a lot has changed. But I was wondering like how specifically for you has this change in the dis digital space you know, change your arts and kind of change your perspective. I know you were talking a bit about accessibility and the importance of this um, to your arts and kind of your audience, but how, could you talk me a bit through about, you know, this change that you've had to, you know, that we've all had to go through this past year? Yeah. I mean, luckily, to be fair, I think I was, I was lucky because, um, you know, the fact that I think a lot of independent uh, collectives, uh, people were organizing, you know, film screenings and film programs online. Um, and that meant that I, you know, I, I think I, I was part of like the Iraqi, the independent Iraqi film festival. And then I did a few things with Rasheen online. So I think that period was actually quite good for me because it meant that I could meet, you know, more people that I can show my work to a bigger audience or people who come from who are, you know, based everywhere. But also it meant that I can it, it meant that I found also a community. So, you know, when I when I started kind of um, speaking to Rasheen and then slowly we did a few things together. You know, I, I felt like I found my community in a way because I I knew that you know even with my some of my experimental work you know my background as someone who comes from the Swana region and as an Arab woman um, is always present in the work and I have so many, you know that identity uh, raises so many questions for me and, and so many issues and sometimes I have to use my work to 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 question that and to speak of that and and just the fact that I now feel like I I have access to a community that perhaps shares some of these uh reference points or some of like this background uh is really helpful um so I feel like I'm no longer speaking in a vacuum but I'm speaking with people who probably you know kind of share similar experiences or similar uh, reference points so that's what yeah the digital space has been good for me in, in that aspect um and I mean it's it's difficult I think people are still questioning you know how are we going to continue because people are overwhelmed as well you know everyone a lot of people are screening and putting work out online so how are we going to navigate you know the exhaustion of that the oversaturation um but also how do we protect certain spaces you know because certain films that let's say are speaking about I don't know, let's say like with, with some of my friends who, who are queer and who want to make work and, and speak about it in a safe circle or in a safe space. Uh, you know, sometimes it's hard now with the dig digital space where all of a sudden it's open to everyone. So again, how do we how do we how do we maintain, let's say, some of those safe spaces where conversations can still happen around certain works? Um, but also, how do we benefit from that accessibility and that openness in a way that can, you know, expose a bigger community and a bigger audience to to new questions, to uh, different struggles? Um, and for me, like on a personal level, I feel like the digital space rose many questions about the role of 
like art institutions. I think, you know, in the film and the art industry, there are many gatekeepers. Uh, like even for me, sometimes like these structures of like galleries and museums where work is shown, like, I think the digital space just made us think like, do we need them? <laughs> do we need these gatekeepers? Do we need these structures of like galleries and museums? I don't know. I think people are still trying to think about it now. Um, yeah, so that's a question for me um, at the moment. Yeah, and I think definitely a question to all of us. This year has made us all really, you know, put down our, you know, microscope or whatever that expression is and look down at, you know, the existing institutions around us. And kind of going back, because you repeated a lot about, you know, your community and the important, importance of this, especially after graduating. Could you speak a bit more about kind of, you know, what that kind of the community gave you and the importance for you of finding a community within what you're doing with your art, both from like hearing people who are, you know, years of experience in their own industry and what they're doing. How's that been kind of for you? Yeah, um, I mean, again, going back to this thing about like when once you leave art school, it's lonely. Um, and, you know, like even let's say with this independent work that we're doing, um, a lot of it needs funding, but sometimes, you know, when you have the people around you, you can kind of find a way to to make things happen, even with a small budget. But again, like I think after art school, you're just on your own. Um, obviously, there are people who stay and, and, and there are people who are always supportive. And but again, it's, it's a lonely time. Um, and finding a community, I mean, for me, the main thing it's about, um, you know, given that um, I, I identify as an Arab woman, so I think there are many concerns that I carry and I'm always looking at uh, what's happening in our Arab countries uh, politically, socially, and I feel sometimes, you know, there's this hard thing now because I'm, I'm based in London, so sometimes I'm making work that gets shown, let's say, in London or to a Western audience. So sometimes not everyone shares the same concerns as me or not sometimes not everyone shares the same reference points. And, and I sometimes have found myself in situations uh, where I have to explain and, <laughs> and that's exhausting. Sometimes you, you want to present work to an audience or a community that gets some of these uh, concerns and reference points because at the end of the day that's what helps us to build a discourse as well because if um if i have certain concerns and i'm expressing it through my work and i'm trying to find a way to 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 express it then someone else might be doing the same and we can feed off one another or find a way to express it or navigate a certain problem through our artwork and that's how like a discourse sorry a discourse gets built uh, and it means that we can make work where you know the question that you might have in your work I can answer it in a future work something like that where it's like a we're part of like a cycle and where we're helping one another to to build the discourse so that's what finding a community uh, means for me, especially like as well, like a community of like other art and film practitioners um, who are also making work. Um. You know, definitely, I think that really speaks to the importance of conversations and just importance of moving on and kind of being able to deconstruct things. Um, and then kind of jumping back again, because I love how we always jump back to our art school. But, you know, when you left, did anything surprise you? Like in terms of, you know, did they prepare you for, you know, the life uh, like after 
not really <laughs> not really no and i mean there are many things i think that art students need to be prepared for like things like how do we apply for funding how do we like like today i think many people around me know that they can't be full-time artists and they need to have you know side hustles and make work on the side so no one i think not many people at, at least what i remember from like the time when i was in art school like this conversation didn't happen as if like oh we can all be artists full-time and not have to worry about bills and money and because this is a reality and you and, and you need to be prepared for that and you need to be given the tools whether whether through learning how to apply for funding uh how to fill up like a funding application um um there was something else on my mind which i forgot um <laughs> how to make ah, i i remembered how to make money out of your artwork as well because i think this is something that sometimes we shy away from but actually you know artworks and what we make is labor and and you know sometimes you're spending months and years and and you know you're sometimes you're using your own kind of budget to to help support the research or the development um and we need sometimes to think of like okay so how is this artwork gonna sell and 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 make you know so we can make money that can then support other works that we do um so i feel like not many people are, are speaking about selling especially like let's say when it comes to work that is digital or audiovisual or like film and videos still i feel like the conversation is immature uh, around how to to sell so today i'm finding out that you know some video artists are for instance making prints on the sides or or small pub publications that can go with their exhibitions that they can kind of sell or you know allowed to circulate in, in a different format other than like the film itself or the video itself so i feel like again this is a conversation that needs to happen because there's a reality there outside art school where not everyone can be a full-time artist and 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 even with the small funds you get you need to find like a sustainable way where maybe money can be made out of certain works and etc so i feel like it's just people are almost shy to to speak about it when actually the reality of the art scene is that there's a market within the art scene things do sell and there is value attached to artworks and and this is something that people need to familiarize uh, themselves with from an early stage yeah and then how so how you know how did you do this yourself you know from after graduating and how maybe would you have liked to you know, learn this because I'm, I'm sure you learned all through experience and kind of through trial and error. Um, and how would kind of, you know, what advice would you give to students who are graduating who kind of, you know, have all these big questions or like, what do I, what do I have to do? What would you recommend to that? In that sense? Um, I mean, like approach people, ask people, uh, but also like, listen, like there's so many, like now even during the pandemic, I feel like there's so many conversations that are emerging out of the art scene with, artists and art practitioners and um, just listening. And like, I think people are approachable because I think we're all trying to make sense of what how this works. Yeah. Uh, so I would say just, yeah, like be open and, and ask people because we're all trying to learn about it together. 
Um, I mean, advice in general after art school is people should keep an, I mean, there's, I mean, I took kind of like a break for a year after art, uh, after art school where I didn't really make anything. Uh, so I feel like people shouldn't be afraid of taking a break as well if they feel exhausted from making and, um, um, and to think of like, then like, I think they need to also think of like, how, how do we use some of the opportunities that exist out there, whether residencies or funding, uh, small grants, uh, even like studio grants, because these are all like things that can help your work to, to, to happen, to be made, but also to give you a little bit of exposure, which can then help you, you know, secure more funding and more things. So people, I think, should think of sustainability, how to sustain themselves, because it's quite a precarious time that we're living in. And it's a precarious scene as well, like the art and film scene, I think, especially for people working independently or um, on small scale. Um, so the question of sustainability should be at the forefront and people should ask one another and like others who may have a little bit more experience. Um, it can seem very daunting like i'm sure just you know you've got the whole world at your devices but at the same time i think you know of course it's great to focus on a project but as well like you know the wider picture you know what happens after um yeah, and yeah. so kind of on that kind of on that note looking back at your career which i mean is still you know a lot a lot of beautiful things to come <laughs> what, kind of been, <laughs> what has been your most kind of memorable moments if i can say that and then also what's been the most difficult kind of aspects um of you know of your past few years when making art and moving images yeah. specifically yeah I mean, the most memorable thing, I would say 2014, what we spoke about that summer when I found film or I found like the possibility of making art or, or, or just speaking about things that are concerning me through film and um, through even like documenting on my phone, like that, that was for me like something powerful. Uh, because I feel like, you know, we, like stories are, are valuable, they're strong, they help us to make sense of, of certain situations that we're in, they help us to make sense of our status, our identities, uh, the world around us. So, you know, to find the tools to, to, to tell that story, whether through writing or through, uh, let's say, again, like documenting or through making a film, like this is powerful. So for me, like that moment in like the summer of 2014, that's when I found like a tool or a device to, to um, tell stories. Uh, and there was so much freedom at the time, like I think because I didn't care much uh, about like who the audience is or like where the work will be shown. I just wanted to make a film. Uh, so that freedom was really amazing. And that freedom is something I actually miss now because I feel like now I'm in like this mindset where I'm thinking, okay, there's this project that I can get funding for and could get shown here or there. I mean, obviously I'm trying to like sometimes let go these questions but um i just miss that freedom uh most difficult moments i would say again that moment of like leaving art school and that clash where all of a sudden you 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 feel like you spent four years maybe learning in a certain way and again because my art school didn't have like formal training so it was just me and the people around me you know trying to to find answers 
Um, and that moment of leaving the art school, I think, is, is a little bit difficult. You feel lonely, you, you're uncertain, like, what was the point of these four years? And also you, you all of a sudden, I think, encounter like a, a whole industry, whether it's like the film or even the art um, industry. And you feel like, actually, I don't have the full tools to, to, to navigate it or to understand it. And that's when you need to do your, you know, your own work and, and go and <laughs> learn about how to, to access the space, whether through, again, like funding applications or commissions or other things. Um, so yeah, I think those are the two points that come to my mind. And then kind of to go back, because you were talking about storytelling and kind of, you know, your moment of, you know, realization where you're able to kind of use film as a way kind of to tell these really important stories to you. How, you know, I'm sure like your storytelling has changed throughout, you know, throughout school and also from after school. So how can you talk a bit more about that kind of, you know, the relationship between audio and visual, specifically with moving um, image and yeah, and how your kind of storytelling has changed. And also, I know you um, from you know from you know seeing your works and kind of reading a bit about you as well like um you have this this constant theme of kind of searching for an exit in a lot of your works and kind of you know at the heart of your art mm. can you kind of talk a bit about that yeah it's very interesting um so in terms of storytelling um I mean again I think maybe we touched a little bit on it but when I was in art school I think I was a little bit stubborn I didn't want to learn how to write the screenplay so I had to find my own process and that process was a little bit messy where I don't know like I would write let's say an image that I wanted to see or create uh, and maybe like write like a certain scenario around it where okay this is what should happen and then I would work with like performers to to establish the setting or establish what the situation is and maybe give them like a few prompts and then just allow them to improvise so that was the process it was quite improvisational I think I was curious at the time to see how how performers would would respond to certain prompts uh, and how that can be captured you know like I I remember there was a point when I wanted to do something around uh, like workspaces and how can we withdraw from labor like can we say no to work especially when you know now we're living in a, in a society where like our survival is dependent on work our work is our survival so I was I was thinking like how do how do we break the cycle can we like withdraw from labor so like around that, that was the question for me. So then I, I kind of created different prompts to, to, to do that. And I, and I worked with the performers to, you know, we used to do these things where they would keep repeating the same scene over and over and over again, would shoot that because I wanted to capture as well their exhaustion. I wanted to capture, you know, the moments where maybe they would slip or a word would not be pronounced well or things like that to capture the exhaustion that's related, let's say, to work culture. Um, so I think I was thinking in that way, I was thinking, how do I get out of the performers certain things? So I, was, I was using prompts, etc. Afterwards, when I got the commission for Gerwood and FVU, I mean, I, because I, I, I was in a situation where I wasn't just working by myself. Uh, because often, you know, before I, I, I was the filmmaker, I was the camera person, I was the editor, I was doing everything by myself. Um, Jared, FVU, I mean, because I had to work with a big crew, 
and I had to answer to so many questions. I had to have like a, almost like a small screenplay. And again, like I, I did it in my own way where I wrote different scenes, et cetera. But um, I think now, like after that experience, I'm realizing why you need a screenplay. It's kind of like to give you that foundation where then when you're working with the crew and the teams, you have almost like this base that you can refer to. Um, and in terms of storytelling, like how it changed again, I think because I, for a while I was experimenting with like the visual language, the whole idea behind like image production and performances. And so I think I was questioning a lot of like the language that, that is within film. Uh, but now I feel like, okay, these questions are valuable, but I want the work to be able to tell a story that people can kind of follow. Uh, so this is now where I'm, I'm trying to learn, I'm, I'm trying to make it more open and accessible because I think there's a little bit of an issue in the art scene where a lot of work uh, that gets shown uh, in galleries, you know, there's often like a press release. So sometimes, you know, you walk into a gallery, you watch a video or a certain work and, you know, there are moments when sometimes you don't understand the work and you have to refer to the press release. Uh, or sometimes the work is speaking about specific theoretical references or things that are, I don't know, based on like conversations that are happening in the art scene. So it's almost like an inner joke, you know. So, and for me, this is a bit problematic because it means that for those who don't necessarily come from an art background, it can be difficult to access certain works. And now I feel like I'm at stage, maybe because of the digital space as well, where some work is just shown, there isn't this kind of gallery space where you can sit and go to and read the press release and maybe come back to the work and watch it. There's a bigger question around, okay, so how do we make it clearer? How do we make it more accessible without the need to rely on like, other sources almost to, to understand the piece of work. Um, and you asked me about like the question of the exit. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, that kind of, again, started, I think, when I was doing that work around workplaces and how do we exit them. Um, so I think that's where the work started, where, where the question of, like, exit started from. And I wanted to see, like, how do people search for exits? How do they locate an exit? Does an exit happen in a in a moment of like performance where you say no to something and you withdraw from a certain thing or does the exit happen when someone like physically leaves or and again what how how does that relate to the language of like the image where you know the image has a frame so like does the exit happen by simply someone walking out of the frame and and walking out of the space where you know the, the image is quite a demanding space i'm i'm as a maker i'm demanding certain things from the performer <laughs> you know the performer or like again like in documentary it's even harder because the frame is cutting certain things you're excluding things out of your story so it's I think the, the, the questions are a little bit self-reflexive or to do with the medium itself um in Jerwood then like walk out one um I mean, the question of the exit was related to the story because the story is about the city that's covered in dust and there's a group of young people who are trying to, who are tired, who are exhausted because they found themselves in a situation where 
they had to all stick together, follow the instructions or the vision of, of like the older generation. Uh, they found themselves in a situation where they can't see an exit, you know, and I tried to employ that like through questions around vision where, you know, throughout the film, there are moments when the characters are trying to look uh, at the horizon to search for the horizon, but they look and they can't see anything. It's all blurred. So I introduced like almost obstacles in the story where there is this dust that blurs our vision that that uh, conceals the exit or the possibility of a way out or something else. Um, and towards the end of the film, uh, um, I mean, what happens is, again, there's a question around vision, there's a question around looking, where there's an exchange between two characters, one of them saying to the other one say, uh, she's saying um, sometimes uh, a vision that can unite us is better than a choice that can divide us. Uh, and then the other person responds saying, uh, but how can we trust the vision of one person when our eyes are always searching, always looking in different directions? So the whole film was trying to see like, how do we stick together? How do we acknowledge our differences when actually none of us can, can be in sync completely? You know, Not even our words can be in sync. We're always looking in different directions. And the exit kind of happens in, in that realization that there is the possibility for difference. We can look elsewhere. And the character simply gets up and, and, and walks out of the frame. And again, for me, that was a significant moment because I, I didn't you know, necessarily film the exit and where the, the characters go to. I just let them walk out of the frame. Uh, again, using, because I think I was interested in that visual, in that language of like the image and the frame and what constitutes, uh, uh, an exit and again some some of it is related to the budget because I had no budget you know to film everything so I had to utilize you know the language of the image I had to utilize like a more minimal language and give it give things more significance whether it's the frame of the image or where people are are looking at um, to enhance my story or to make it a little bit clearer. I really loved it it was on our on Shasha last month if you guys missed it, it was available for the month. It was incredible. I can um, give people a link if anyone wants to see it. <laughs> is, yeah, honestly, I would recommend 100%. <laughs> and then kind of from that, what exciting projects can we expect? You know, are you working on anything fun right now in the future? Uh, yeah, things are quite busy at the moment. So I have a text that's going to be published in artwork magazine soon um, I think it's going to be published in the summer and that uh, that text is trying to I guess um, make sense of my family's experience of migration but I'm trying to look at it through the experience of my mother um, and then there are questions around like the road uh, because I think you know for a while I dreamt of making a road film <laughs> and I'm thinking and I, and I found like yeah when I was writing that text that obsession that I have with road films is a little bit related to I think questions that I had uh, given that I've always been a migrant always moving you know from one place to the other uh, so I tried to question what the road is um, and uh, so this piece of work I think I'm going to be developing it into a screenplay 
so we'll see where that goes. Otherwise, I'm um, also organizing uh, or like designing a program for space studios uh, where we're looking at uh, care and the environment. Um, so I, I mean, it's still, you know, taking shape, but I guess some of the questions that we're trying to raise are around, you know, the trying to understand, you know, the, the colonial history of the climate crisis and to think of like care for the environment as part of a process of decolonization. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that it's not just going to be like a theoretical discussion using big terms. I'm trying to look at some initiatives, uh, I mean, happening like worldwide. I'm focusing mainly actually on things happening in the Swana region uh, and also things happening in London where there are many initiatives trying to teach disadvantaged communities. Um, young children how to grow food using sustainable uh, forms uh, as a way to kind of stop our dependency on like industrial food production but as a way to again care for the environment uh, so we'll see i mean th this is where i am uh <laughs> i'm looking forward to it these are really really important questions that i'm excited to kind of see you know broken apart and then i guess my last question um, although I'm very, very sad because this is, I've enjoyed this conversation very, very much. What advice would you give to people who are interested in going down a similar path to you? Um, I would tell them, I mean, if they're going to art school or they're going to education, just have fun with it. Don't, you know, <laughs> don't take it too seriously. I think like something that happened to me when I was in art school, because I was at the Slade and it's quite a prestigious, you know, art school. I think uh, at the time we were all excited to be at the Slade, but um, I think that for a lot of us, that meant that we freaked out in, in year two because all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm running out of time. I need to be an artist. And, and just don't let these questions overwhelm you. Like things happen organically. Uh, don't be afraid of taking a break as well if you need to just, you know, step away and, and um, maybe read about other things, uh, check other things out. Uh, I mean, and, and one advice is that um, don't be by yourself. Like try to always search for like a group or like other people who share similar questions to you or who have similar interests because I think it really helps to be part of like a bigger group um yeah I mean that's the main advice and and obviously you know keep an eye on grants funding because I think they're really helpful to to develop your career to allow work to happen I mean the, the, again like the difficulty with I guess making videos and um film is sometimes you need a budget you know so and it's nice to have a budget where you can pay other people you can pay the the crew um so do do keep an eye on like funding and grants because i think they 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 can be really productive and they can really support uh, the work to develop and don't be afraid to keep experimenting and even failing because i think sometimes the, these models of funding are a little bit difficult where you know you get given a small amount of money and all of a sudden you have to exhibit it as a as a piece of work when maybe it's just an experiment you know uh, maybe you're just trying something out so don't lose that uh, experimentation and and you know there's room for for failure there's room to try things out and as long as you're critical of the work you're questioning the work um 
I think you're you're good. You're you're doing well. And and don't be because I think for a while I was a little bit afraid of showing work in progress or sharing you know some of my experiments with with people. Um, but don't do that mistake. Uh, like share things even if they're not complete, even if they're not even if it's just a question, you know, because it helps to 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 have conversations out loud and to hear other people and what they have to say. Well, thank you so much, Roman, for this really insightful conversation, all your little, you know, pockets of wisdom. And thank you all for listening. Thank you. Thank you.